Hello and welcome to the ARC Podcast. I'm Adam. On today's episode, Joy and I got a chance to sit down and talk with author Anna LeBaron. Anna is the author of The Polygamist Daughter, which is a memoir that just released in March with Tyndale. Anna was in town at the Tyndale offices last month, here meeting with the publishing teams here and to speak in chapel. And we got a chance to sit down and talk with her for about a half an hour. And we got to talk about her book, how her book came to be, her writing process, and how she likes to help others launch their books. This is a great conversation, and she was a delight to talk to. If you want to learn more about her book, you can visit her website, analabaron.com, or go to tyndale.com, or you can find the book anywhere books are sold. If this is your first time listening to the ARC podcast, be sure to find us on iTunes or visit our website, readthearc.com. We hope you enjoy this conversation with Anna LeBaron. Okay, we are very excited to welcome Anna LeBaron, LeBaron? LeBaron. LeBaron mm-hmm. to the Tyndale offices right here in Carroll Stream. Mm-hmm. So welcome to our podcast. We're very excited to have you in person. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to, everyone, usually we start off by asking to tell about your background, how you became an author, but that's kind of what the book is about. So before we get to that, I wanted to ask you, you've helped a lot of people launch their books. What's it like doing that for your own? Hmm. Oh my gosh, that is a great about question. That and then what it's like to finally get to do that for your own book. Yeah, I've, I've been helping other authors launch their books since March of 2015 when I accidentally ended up in a very rogue launch team <laughs> that um, wasn't an official launch team for a book, but we managed to create a team and we did it anyway and it was a lot of fun. We had a great time. We made it, I had a great time. <laughs> the whole thing was incredible and it was an experience that we still talk about and have fun you know mm-hmm. reminiscing about and that just led to other books being launched and um, book launching is is the way people get the word out on social media about the new books that are coming out on the market and i've been a participant in many because I love books. (laughs) I love advanced reader copies, especially. Those are a lot of fun. You feel like you're in the know and in this little special elite group. Well, you'll you'll be, sorry to interrupt, but you'll be happy to know that our podcast is called The Art. I know. (laughs) I've seen that. (laughs) So so I love that. Arcs are the best. Um, Having them and reading them and you know, knowing that it's not even out, it's just, <laughs> I get it, I, it does it for me, I mean, it's just fun, I just love books, so I've been able, I've been very privileged to be part of several launches and um, participating in the launch of lots of different books, and then since March, I've also been leading launch teams, when we did that first one, um, it was kind of a, a new thing, and it had never been done that way before, and I just kind of ran with it and did what I thought and mm-hmm. made it work, and then it, it worked really well. And mm-hmm. so since then, other authors have reached out to me, and so I've been able to put together teams and 
just recreate that. Mm, yes. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's been a lot of fun. And I think that's the difference between launches that are just like the general way that this is how it's done and the ones that I lead is I make mine really fun mm-hmm. because I'm having so much fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so so mm. that has been a thing that has been going ongoing. I don't think I've ever had a time in the last two years where I've not been part of a launch team that's putting out another book. Mm. And I've been on multiple teams as a participant, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. at a time. Yeah. Because, wow. and I've, it's always really sad when you find out about a book that's being released and you know you're just maxed out. Mm-hmm. And you have to say, no, yeah, you don't apply to be on the launch team. <laughs> one <laughs> oh. so then you just go pre-order the book you yes. know mm-hmm. and then it comes in the mail and so my uh tbr stack mm-hmm. is a mile high i love it i swear <laughs> oh i said we weren't gonna swear yeah <laughs> so and then i go That's and say amazing. the swear word no. <laughs> so no my no. tbr stack is a mile high yep i i love books I loved reading, mm. um, and so I've come up with this new thing. You got, you guys will like this. Mm-hmm. I should have said that in chapel this morning. <laughs> yes. So if you have a TBR stack, if you're buying books that you never read, like do you know people like that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally. That buy books and then just have really great intentions, yep. and then they just sit there. Mm-hmm. Okay. If that's you, you know how people um, will support the arts like the ballet with their money and never go to the ballet Mm -hmm. and we call those people patrons of the arts Mm. I say that people who buy books that never get read and that have a TBR stack a mile high like me we are patrons of the arts (laughs) pure and simple writers and authors are artists yes that's an art absolutely so we are patrons of the arts Hands down. So don't feel guilty. Zero guilt. Yeah. Right. Buy all the books. Absolutely. <laughs> Especially new authors. Right. Yes. New new authors. New authors. Yes. So Anna, tell us, <laughs> you have a new book. It's your I first do. book you've ever written. It's <laughs> yes. called The Polygamous Daughter. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Yes. You said to answer your question about what it feels like to lead, to lead my yes. own right. team. Yes. And I never yeah. even chased a rabbit the trail. Daughter. Is that different than yeah. how you approach so another book? It's more personal. Like, how, how is that? Well, I'm a lot more experienced. Mm-hmm. The first one I just did flew by the seat of my pants and it yeah. happened to work, which right. I was really glad it did. So now I've kind of honed my methods mm-hmm. and my ways. So it's it's um, it's a lot better mm-hmm. because I have experience now. Yeah. But it is a little bit awkward to tell people what to do for your own book. Mm-hmm. Yes. So there's a little bit of awkwardness, mm-hmm. but not enough to make me say, I'm not doing my own, mm-hmm. <laughs> because I like the way that I do it mm-hmm. enough that I'm like, I want to be the one. Absolutely. So, <laughs> yeah. And, and my launch team, they're so awesome. Mm. They just, they love me and they just put up with whatever I say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and probably encourage you in it when yes. it's like, oh, I don't know, oh, yeah. is that good? I, oh my goodness. I've never seen so many yes. people change their profile pictures of them holding your book oh my gosh you've seen that on social media (laughs) well that's one of my ways yes (laughs) so oh so 
It is called The Polygamist's Daughter. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about your story? And also, why now? Why Why did you decide it, to tell it in book form at this time? Well, I've been telling my story publicly for about 10 years, hmm. speaking at different events and mostly for, through Stonecroft Ministries and mm-hmm. other church events that I get invited to or women's events, women's retreats, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I've been telling my story publicly for about 10 years. Mm-hmm. I've also been on a healing journey for about 20 years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and telling my story has been a part of the healing journey. Mm-hmm. So being able to share it and, and then having people come up to you and say, well, I wasn't raised in polygamy, but this piece of your story, I, it so resonated with me. Mm. And, and I've had people come up to me and say things like, I've never told anyone this. And then they tell me some really, really hard things. Mm. And it's just such a, a sacred honor to be able to hear those things from people and to be able to bear the weight of those things mm-hmm. for them. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's been a part of my healing journey to, mm-hmm. to be able to speak my story and, and tell it. And then in book form, tell, speaking is different than writing, I've learned. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so in book form, there's, there's a whole lot more detail. Like when you go to a speaking event, you're you know, 25, 30 minutes, and there's no way I can tell all of it mm-hmm. in that amount of time. And so people are always left with questions. And for the past 10 years, I've been asked, do you have a book? Mm. <laughs> so finally, <laughs> when somebody, and I go speak somewhere and somebody asks me, I'll be able to say, yes, yes. I have a book. <laughs> <laughs> and like Paul Harvey, you know, the rest of the story, because I get 25 minutes usually to, you know, kind of tell you as much as I can, and I, I do try to pack in a lot. Yes. I do pack in a lot for those 25 minutes. Yes. And now you can read the rest of the story mm. in the book. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. And it gives you a little bit more freedom to just talk about the highlights, and yes. then also adjust the message to whoever you're speaking to yes. so that it ministers to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So for, for our audience, would you mind explaining just a little bit more if they're not familiar with the book yet? Oh, absolutely. I was born into and raised in a violent polygamist cult, which means the men had more than one wife at the same time. So my father had 13 wives, Mm -hmm. and he fathered at least 50 children Mm -hmm. that I've counted. So depending on who's doing the counting, you know, you come up with different numbers. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The whole situation is so very broad. It's like the family forest instead of a family tree. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, depending on who's counting and are, are you counting the stepchildren that were brought into the family or you know that. So there's 50 plus children. Mm-hmm. I have 50 plus siblings, brothers and sisters and my father was wanted by the FBI if we were in the United States or the Mexican police from the time I was three years old when he um, ordered a mob-style hit on his own brother. Mm-hmm. And we began running, running from the law after that. So my whole experience growing up, we did not know what was going on. I wasn't aware of these things happening. I just knew that we would up and move in the middle of the night and 
we were very transitory. I never lived anywhere very long. So I t in my book, The Polygamous Daughter, I tell the story of my experiences in that cult, how I escaped, and then the things that happened afterward. Mm. Because just escaping did not um, save me from more horrifying experiences. Mm. So mm -hmm. I tell all those stories mm -hmm. in the book. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then I begin to unpack the healing journey mm. that I've been on for the last two decades. Mm. Mm -hmm. And, and um, this is you on, on the cover, right? Yes. Mm. That's me as a little girl. Mm. Um, and if you see the cover of the book, um, there's the, the dress I'm wearing. This is a fun little story that you, you won't know unless you, I tell you. Um, the, the dress was originally, did not have this little piece right in here. Mm. When I put it on, my mother thought it was too immodest. So she took a sheet and cut this out and sewed this little white piece inside mm. to make it more modest. Mm. Wow. Was it a, um, it wasn't a uniform? Were you, did you have to wear uniforms at mm -mm. school? So. I wore a uniform in private school when I was a teenager. Okay. That, but that's a little later. bit later than, from mm -hmm. this time period. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. Uh, you mentioned earlier people would say to you that parts of your, even though they couldn't relate to growing up in a polygamous cult, certain parts of your story mm -hmm. they could relate to. Mm -hmm. um, what are some of the themes that you think that people would connect with in the book that maybe they, they, they can't relate to your situation, but they can mm -hmm. re relate to some of the things you, some of the emotions or some of the um, discoveries you made? There is a long list. Yeah. How much time do we have here? <laughs> <What>? <laughs> I would say the short answer is, any type of uh, trauma, mm -hmm. if anybody's experienced any kind of trauma or traumatic event, also known as adverse childhood experiences, mm -hmm. that's one way of, of saying it, any kind of abuse, psychological abuse, physical abuse, emotional, spiritual, sexual, mm -hmm. any type of abuse. Um, there are some abuses that are um, referred to as hidden abuse because there's no marks left on the body. Mm. There are marks left on your soul. Mm. And the skin of your heart is mm. seared. Mm. And so anybody that's experienced that type of situation, anybody that finds themselves currently in that type of a situation, would um, probably benefit from reading that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What would you say, Anna, has been your spiritual journey? Of course, again, that's a huge question. But <laughs> How starting, much time do we have I know, again? starting from a young girl, you know, you, you say in the book that you did escape when you were 13 years mm -hmm. old. Um, you went to stay with a sister, and they enrolled you in a Christian school. Yes. Um, that's when you learned more about Jesus and mm -hmm. came to say, he's real. Yeah. So from that point on to where you are now, he's been probably the center of your healing journey. Yes. Um, how have you, and maybe more to refine my question, there's probably a lot, you know, the theme of fatherlessness in your story. Um, yes. And how have you pursued God and let him pursue you to redefine what father means? 
Well, fatherlessness is part of our national conversation. Mm-hmm. So that's another theme. Mm-hmm. Um, I did grow up essentially fatherless, even though I knew who my father was. There was a time when I was not sure that he knew my name. Mm-hmm. I knew who he was, but I didn't know that he knew who I was. Mm-hmm. So when you grow up with that kind of experience, it leaves a gaping, open, bleeding wound. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know that that's what I was experiencing Mm -hmm. until I was grown enough and had experienced enough to recognize, oh, I'm not... I don't have the kind of relationship with God that she has. Mm-hmm. Where you see somebody and you, you watch them and you're, you're watching them live out their faith and living the expression of their whole faith and spiritual life looks different than yours. Mm-hmm. And it kind of leaves you kind of going, hmm. And so that question arises and, and, and that's what led, led me to this place where mm-hmm. I began pursuing a relationship with God that was more um, God the Father. Mm-hmm. And when I say I began pursuing, <laughs> somebody said once, and it's probably a quote and I should know who said it, mm-hmm. but I read somewhere one time they said, no matter what, any right response that we have toward God He's always previous to that. Mm. And so when I say I was pursuing, it's because he was already pursuing me. Mm -hmm. And that's been my experience. Looking back, I can clearly identify his fingerprints on my life at each juncture where Mm. my life took a turn for the better Mm. and another and another and another. I see his fingerprints all over those events, even though I was completely unaware of his um, working and being able to see those those ways that he works in the lives of his children. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is in the book, or it's in the questions in the back, where you talk about um, you really started to later when you started to get professional help Mm -hmm. what um, what was sort of the thing that led you to that point did you always know that it was something that you would eventually need to do or was Mm -hmm. there like a turning point where you felt Mm -hmm. uh, compelled to do that I know there's probably a lot of people who would who are wrestling with that Mm -hmm. idea should I go talk to someone should I get professional counseling Mm -hmm. And I'll just say right here, if, if you've experienced any kind of trauma or adverse childhood experience, any type of abuse, please go get counseling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it took me a long time to even recognize that I needed it. Mm. I was an adult with children of my own when through a series of circumstances, um, I went to sleep one night and had a horrific nightmare. Mm. I woke up 
sweaty and crying and shaking and mm. I mean it was very real and it was very much based in the trauma that I experienced as a child so I told a friend about that experience um, the next day and because this friend was a real friend she says to me if I make you an appointment with a counselor will you go and I'm surprised because I don't think I need help. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, and then I said yes, thankfully. And then she says, do I need to pick you up and take you? Or do I need to babysit your children while you're there? Mm. And, and I'm forever grateful mm. that she was so kind but gently insisting (laughs) that I was going to get some help. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that began a five-year journey with my counselor, Joy, Mm -hmm. who helped me, what she called, pull back the layers of an onion. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, you know when you chop onions, you cry? Well, Mm -hmm. (laughs) when I first went and sat in her office the first day, she says, you know, you know, counselors, they always want to, poke and prod into your stuff yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the first day she's like tell me about your relationship with your dad oh my <laughs> oh. and so at the time because I didn't know that I needed help my answer was he was never around and we dealt with it mm-hmm. so I'm sure if I talked to her today if I said what were you thinking that day when I gave you that answer? Mm-hmm. <laughs> she would probably think, you know, okay, this girl needs a lot of help. Yeah. <laughs> I have my work cut out for me here with this one. Yes. And it took us about five years. Mm-hmm. And each time she would pull back one of those layers and the tears would escape because when you mm-hmm. cut onions, you're crying. Yes. Every layer that came out, more tears, more tears, more tears. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was such a, a, a way for me to learn how to talk about the difficult experiences that I'd had and and cry and grieve. Mm. Mm-hmm. I ended up five years into that finally grieving that I was raised without a father, mm. that I didn't have a dad to take me to the father-daughter dance mm-hmm. that my girls were doing with their father. Mm. I didn't have a dad to call me princess. Mm-hmm. Those are real losses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And for everybody it's different. Yeah. But when I um, finally got down to the core of that onion mm-hmm. and was able to grieve, not just the bad things that happened to me, but the real things that should have happened mm-hmm. that didn't. That was a turning point in my healing journey. Mm. And it began, I would say that was a culmination of that part of it, but it's been an ongoing process. Mm-hmm. How was this book a part of the process? Because I'm sure you had to, you had to be detailed about the stories and some stories we all know is just better kind of forget it or it just like <laughs> you know gloss over some of the things but for a book you can't do that no. like you said if we're speaking events so how did because I'm sure some of the days it might have been hard to write how, how oh do you, my gosh how yes. do you work through that I 
I had wanted to write a book. Like I said, I started speaking 10 years ago. Every time, you know, do you have a book? <laughs> and, and I would say, in all my spare time, because at that time I was a busy mom with five kids working full time and then speaking on the side, you know. So in all my spare time, I'm going to write this book, you know. Well, I would really sit down at a computer at a blank screen and just stare. How do you unpack this story? Where do you even start? And that went on and on for years, where I just did not even have a clue. So very fortunately for me, I was on Facebook one day in December, late December, and I saw some on an acquaintance's Facebook news feed an advertisement for a, conf uh, a writer's conference called Release the Writer. And, you know, in there she gave deliverables. Like, when you complete this process, you will have a working title and chapter titles and this, and you'll have worked through all this, and you'll have a website, and you'll have yeah. this, and you'll have this, and deliverables. And I said, well, I don't care how much this costs. Yeah. <laughs> I need help. <laughs> so I signed up. And fortunately for me, it wasn't halfway across the nation. It was happening 10 minutes north of my house at a conference center that I didn't even know existed. And I'd lived there a lot of years. So it was, it was so easy for me to attend that conference and to get the help that I needed. I came away with the working title. All the deliverables were met. I was sent home with a writing schedule and you know, this many words per day, this many days a week, and, and this is how you're gonna get your manuscript done. Oh. So I had a plan, and I was gonna work that plan. So while I was at that conference, um, do we have time for a story? Sure. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so I'm at the conference, and they, they said how many words per day, and so the, the conference itself was Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So Saturday night was kind of the culmination of it, and then there was going to be some more stuff here and there for Sunday, and then go home. And So I wake up Sunday morning, and I think in my mind, I'll start tomorrow. And then the Holy Spirit just kind of whispered and said, start today. And then I got real nervous. <laughs> you know, the blank screen, you know? Oh, yeah. So I was like, I don't even know. Um, where my laptop is and it's it's early in the morning and I have a roommate and I don't want to mess up my you know wake up my roommate I was like I don't even know where my laptop is but then an image of my mind of where I'd put my laptop appeared mm -hmm. I was like oh that's where it is mm -hmm. so I get up and quietly find my laptop right where where it was where it was in my mind and I sneak out of the room and as I'm walking to go find a quiet place where I can open up my laptop and stare at that blank screen I'm reminded of a blog that I'd written prior to this event and in that blog I, I tell a little story about my childhood so I thought I'm just gonna copy and paste that blog into this document because I tell part of my story in there <laughs> mm -hmm. and then I'll have my word count for the day done so I went and grabbed that blog and copied and pasted it and my word count goal was like 250 words a day for you know however many days and I had never looked at a word count before as I'm writing. I had no idea what, 
Like, who looks at that when they're right. typing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I copied and pasted the blog, and it was like 1,300 words. And I thought, oh my gosh, because I had just like typed that blog out and and the ads out and hit publish and go and and then you look at them later and go, oh, I should have edited. You know, you edit your blogs, you know, post, post, you know, after they're already out, you're editing blogs. So I thought, oh my gosh, I that was thirteen hundred words, and that wasn't even hard. So what I did was, I said, well, this is a lot, so I'll take off the part that of the blog that wasn't my childhood and what was left just the story about my childhood was over 400 words wow. mm. and I saved the document I had my mm. working title in there mm. and 400 and some odd words in a document mm. and I went down to breakfast that day thrilled to tell everyone that I already started writing my book <laughs> and then I wrote like a mad woman <laughs> for the next three months wow. and by in three months I had over 40,000 words wow that's incredible once once I started mm, yes it just poured out mm. and once I had the guidance yes. so having the plan and the chapter titles and you know content what you what you're mm. gonna say mm-hmm. it was so helpful mm. Beautiful, Anna. That is so neat. I think a lot of us just need a little bit of courage to start something, really, anything. Work project, mm-hmm. a writers home project. Write. Yeah. Yes, yeah. writers write words. Right. <laughs> I am a writer. I write yes, words. Yes, <laughs> you do, and you do it beautifully. Yeah. Well, we are getting to the end of our time. It's already? Yeah, mm-hmm. we're already half an hour here. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's just flown by. Have we even talked about the book? <laughs> I know, right? I'm like, well, <laughs> this will encourage everybody to go out and actually buy it to read the story because you gave them a so. great cliffhanger mm-hmm. oh, in the process of it. Yeah. So, um, I don't even know what the final question is here other than um, if there's any final words that you would have for the audience um, just about the book and your hopes for it my hope for the book is that anyone who picks it up that identifies with any of the themes of the book will find hope for themselves that even if they find themselves in a really dark place that they will have hope that at some point as they work and do their part, because we all have a part. I had to show up at the counselor's office (laughs) and be willing to talk. So we all have a part, and if we do our part, God does his part. Mm. I hope they will find courage to do their part. Um, I I say it like this, because I have a deal with God. I do all the possible things, Mm. and I leave all the impossible things to him Mm. about Mm. anything. Mm-hmm. And so, one of the things that I've learned in, in the course of doing all of this and in my life is that the only time that we actually have to do anything is right now. Mm-hmm. I call it the immediate now. This moment right here where we're taking in a breath mm-hmm. and breathing out. Mm-hmm. That's the only time we actually have. We don't have five minutes ago, and we don't have five minutes from now. Not one of us has promised five minutes from now. Mm-hmm. So 
if, if there's anything in your life that you need to do, even if it's call a counselor or make a coffee date with a friend and share your heart. Anything that you have to do, the only time you can actually do it is right now. That's the only thing that you actually have control over. Mm-hmm. And all of us in the immediate now can ask the Holy Spirit for guidance about what the next right step is for anything that we need to get done. Mm-hmm. Anything that we need to do that's our part, the possible things, mm-hmm. we can ask for guidance. Mm-hmm. And when those things are revealed, like start the, go start your manuscript now, mm-hmm. like, Here's, here's where the laptop is. Mm-hmm. No, in that moment, I made the decision and took the next right step. And then I've taken a hundred million right steps yeah. since then. <laughs> and now I'm standing here with the coffee oh, mug in my hands. Beautiful book, yes. Mm-hmm. That's so. really well said. The impossible and the possible. And I just wanted to throw in, we've never done this before, but I know you have a very enthusiastic launch team. Yes. <laughs> and if they make it this far in the podcast, I wanted to throw in an Easter egg. If you're listening, you're mm-hmm. part of Anna's launch team, mm-hmm. tweet at the Tyndale account saying that you heard me say this, and I will pick five people to get a free Tyndale book. Oh, my So this is a gosh. hidden Easter egg in the podcast. I just, I came up with this mm-hmm. just now. So oh, my gosh. And now. Yep. Good job. So if, if you hear this, tweet us, and I'll pick five people to win a free book. Oh my gosh, this is going to go nuts. <laughs> there you go. Encourage them to but share. If people want to uh, get in touch with you or. So, is more. this just oh. to the launch team or to anybody who listens to the podcast? Just the launch team. Just so, if you're listening and oh. you're not a part of the launch team, is it too late to, to no. sign up? No. So, when the, no, when no, no. The launch it? team is already formed. Okay. So, sorry. Well, they'll have to. Okay. How about anybody who listens to the podcast, but they have to go follow you on Twitter and and like your Facebook page. All right. All those. I like that. That's how you qualify. Thank you. (laughs) Okay. And if people want to find you online or follow Mm -hmm. you, uh, what's the best place to do that? My um, Twitter and Instagram and Facebook page are all at Anna K. LeBaron. A-N-N-A, the letter K, L-E-B-A-R-O-N. That's great. Awesome. And you have a website. AnnaLeBaron.com. Perfect. Yeah, we'll put all that. Get the polygamous daughter everywhere books are sold. Everywhere, everywhere, Walmart. Well, yeah. mm-hmm. Even Walmart. Yes. As of today, Walmart. Yes, <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> yes. And yeah. the official release date is March twenty twenty first. First, which is but word Tuesday, on the right? street is that there are some They're retailers that are shipping them out if they've pre-ordered. Some of so them get okay. overexcited and they start shipping them yes. as soon as they get them. So if you get my book and it's early, post a picture of yourself holding the book on social media and tag me so I can come and like your post. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, thank you, Anna. It's been such a pleasure to be with you. Thank, thank you, you so much. Mm-hmm. It was a joy to be here. Good. <laughs>